welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. The Sports Card Nobody, and this is another episode of the Sports Card Nobody podcast, and I am in full-on recovery mode, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to get back to the real world. It is time to get back to being a dad, being a husband, being an employee, all of that good stuff, because my vacation is over. As you are aware, if you listen to the show or if this is your first episode, thank you so much for tuning in for the first time. Yes, I spent the last five days or whatever it is at this point in the uh, city of Atlantic City, New Jersey, because I was at the National, the Super Bowl of our hobby, the San Diego Comic-Con of card shows, the greatest card show that ever existed or something. I don't know who, who says that. Somebody says that. Maybe I just said it whatever. I was there. I was at the National and it was big and it was everything people say it is. Exhausting, overwhelming, <laughs> expensive, all the above. Check all the boxes. Uh, it was something. I'm going to talk a lot more about that here in this episode. This is going to be a post-National episode. I'm going to concentrate on that. I'm going to concentrate on some hobby things that I have coming up in the future. You know, what is the hobby life look like when the National ends? Once we get back to the real world, what is you know what comes next? Well, that's what I want to talk about here tonight on my show. But before I do that, I want to uh, quickly talk about something show-related. I've had a lot of extremely positive, wonderful responses to the Jersey countdown that I do every week, My what I've been calling my uh, episode kickoffs. Uh, what I do is I count down the top five athletes to ever wear the jersey of the episode that I am in. It's been wonderful and fun. I love doing it. I love the research and I love the responses. But um, I do it based on the episode that I'm in. But that kind of created a small conundrum for me in that I started doing it late into the life of this show. So I never did, you know, the greatest athletes ever were the number one, the number 16, uh, you know, whatever numbers here and there. And I started it in the early 20s is when I started doing that countdown. And I was wondering how I would try to get back and, and fix that because I, I would want to cover some of those numbers that I missed. And well, the solution that I came up with, you may have noticed that at the top of this episode, I did not name the number of the episode. No, instead, what I did was said, this is another episode because I'm going to stop keeping track. And I'm going to stop tying myself to that one weird rule. Instead, I'm going to cover the jerseys that I want to cover each week because it's my damn show. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, that being said, I am actually going to bypass this week. I'm not going to do a Jersey countdown because I'm going to stick to the national specifically because that's where my brain is. And to be honest, I haven't done a ton of research for the new jerseys um, since, uh, you know, this whole national craze hit me and, uh, you know, I still got to get my head right. So no, I'm going to skip that this week. And if you're mad at me about that, you should definitely let me know. Best way to do that, leave a review at your podcast hub of choice. Reach out to me and let me know that you're mad that I missed it at Sports Card Nobody on Instagram or at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well. But you know what? Maybe you just want to help out the show. So you're going to do all those wonderful things. You're going to leave a review. You're going to subscribe. You're going to reach out on social media. That's amazing. But you know what you can really do to help? You can share this. You can share this with friends. You can share this with family. You can share this with anybody you think will care about anything I have to say on this little program. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. But why don't we get into the actual meat of what I would like to discuss this evening? 
It is Monday, August 1st. It is just about 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I am sitting down to record this. And I whew, had quite the experience at the National. If you would like some greater details, some stories that I'm not going to go into here, my last episode, which was my first ever pop-up episode, came out of the blue in the middle of the week because I was at the show with my very good friend, Justin Effing Henry. Suplexes and slap shots on Instagram, a tremendous hockey and wrestling collector who joined me live from our hotel room to discuss days one, two, and three of the show and what we were looking forward to for the uh, upcoming days at that point. If you would like to know what it's like to be at the National uh, in the moment that we're there, great episode to go check out. Please go give it a a listen. It is just the last episode posted on your podcast hub of choice. But for now, this is just me, and I am going to uh, talk a little bit more about the show from my singular perspective. Why don't we get into that right now? Okay, so the National was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot of floor space. It was a lot of people. It was a lot of walking. It was a lot of observation, a lot of activities. It was just a lot. And that's both positive and negative. You know, my, my takeaway as I've been able to get back to my normal life, get back to my house and sit down and separate from the uh, massive size of the show, it was really great. You know, the, the size and scale of it are incredible. There is so much to do and so much to take in. It, it, it's overwhelming. And you really do have to have, you know, some plan, some sense of what you're after, of what you're hoping to do, of what you're hoping to see. Because when you're just wandering the floor, there is so much to distract you, so much to pull you in a direction that you never thought you were going. It's easy to get get sucked into a rabbit hole of awesomeness, a rabbit hole of incredible cards and memorabilia and autographs, you know, seeing names up that maybe you didn't realize were there. There is just so much going on. So I was actually pretty happy. I had shared on... Uh, an episode a couple weeks back, how I was prepping for the show. And I do believe that that prep really paid off in a lot of ways. So the first thing I really want to uh, extend to you, dear listeners, is if you get a chance to go to a show of this magnitude, of this size, or if, uh, if you're just looking for pointers to try to make your next trip a little bit better, some of that prep work really did pay off for me. And the first one I was really happy that I did was take the time to sit down and comp out the cards I was bringing in my case. I shared that I bought one of the Apache, I think 3,800 or 2,800 cases, whatever it is, like the mid-sized Apache cases that you can uh, pick out and customize the way you want your cards to fit. I did all that. And I, I went through every single card I was taking and I brought quite a few of my PC items and items I want to get rid of. I comped them all out via card ladder or eBay or whatever it is. I went with a simple, um, what's it called? A post-it note system on the back of the card. I wrote down the price that I was hoping to get for said card. Most cards were priced pretty aggressively. Some cards were priced um, in my favor because they were PC cards that I didn't necessarily want to get rid of. You know, I had my Bret Hart Red 2020 Finest. I don't really care what comps say on that. If you want that card from me, you're going to have to twist my arm, and that's the price I put on there. 
Now, some of the other cards that I wanted to move, I, I was not nearly as, uh, I, I guess, aggressive with. I was much more competitive. You know, I put prices that I thought would, would help move these items, whether via trade or sale. I did both of those while I was at this incredible show. So that really paid off. Now, it paid off for a couple of reasons. One, it made transactions a lot easier and faster. People seem trained that when they when they pick up a card, they just flip it over to, to look for the price on the back. They would find a very big post-it note with my price on there, made the transactions go pretty smooth. Beyond that, something that has been well publicized, I talked about it with Justin on that last episode, and it's been all over social media, the Wi-Fi and reception, cell reception at the convention center was atrocious. It was so spotty, so hit or miss. Uh, I mean, one quick story in the, the last day we were there, my buddy Bobby, who met us there, was trying to buy a fairly expensive Josh Allen card because, uh, you know, quick side note, he has one of the best uh, optic rated rookie Josh Allen rainbows out there that I have ever seen. And he was looking for some of the, the harder to find ones that he hadn't found. And he, and he found one. So he was trying to buy that card. He was trying to work out a deal with a trade and some, you know, cash involved. They came to whatever agreement they came to. I don't remember what it was, but Bobby was trying to pay via Venmo or PayPal. Unfortunately, neither the dealer nor Bobby had service. And after about like 15 minutes of trying, somebody let Bobby know that if you go into the bathrooms of all places, that's where service really kicks in. So Bobby dragged himself over to the bathroom. Thankfully, it worked out. He was able to, to send the, the dealer the uh, the cash via Venmo or PayPal. And bang, transaction was done. But this lack of reception and lack of Wi-Fi caused so many issues, not just trying to pay for cards, but trying to comp cards. If you showed up with cards you were trying to sell and you didn't know what price you were looking for ahead of time, it's very likely in the middle of that transaction, you would realize you don't know what you should be selling that card for. Or vice versa, if you showed up to a booth and you were trying to buy a card, you're running into the same exact problem. So hopefully, uh, folks have been doing their comping and, and, and listing their cards you know, however they want to, whether it's stickers, post-it notes, or a sheet, whatever it is. It really makes a huge, huge difference. Um, one story I can share that I ran into when I was trying to sell a bunch of cards on the third day or whatever it was, I was trying to recoup some of the cash I'd spent on day two. I had shown up to one booth and they were really trying to figure out, you know, they were really busy. You know, they had other people who were trying to make deals with. So I was at their booth for a while while they were contemplating the card I was trying to sell them. Sure enough, their booth had a lot of stuff that I also liked. One of the one of the cards they had in their in their uh, case that I was interested in, they had, I think, three Clayton Kershaw 2008 rookie card um, uh, tops update in a PSA 9 slab. I own that card raw. I don't think it would grade in a 9, although it's not a terrible condition card by any stretch. I was curious what it would cost to buy that card as I was trying to work out this transaction. And and the gentleman looked at me and he said, uh, you know, I'd have to comp it out. You know, I'm a little swamped. I'd have to, like, look it up. So whatever, I wasn't, you know, upset or anything that he didn't know the price. But sure enough, as I was still waiting there for them to figure out what to do with my card, I was trying to comp it out and I couldn't bring the card up. Card ladder wasn't working. eBay wasn't working. So I have no idea what, you know, what was a fair price at that time. And I never went further with possibly making a deal. It's very likely that this 
very very friendly uh, dealer um, lost a sale because I just he didn't know the price of the card and neither did I and to be honest I didn't care to keep trying too hard it's a it's a Clayton Kershaw PSA nine it's not that uncommon I know I can find it at a, at another time most likely if I really want to so there's a good chance if he had had that priced out if he had done that extra prep work and listed things he might have told me the price and all of a sudden I would have thought, you know what, why don't we work out a, a, a sale, you know, or trade in cash for that card or whatever it is, you know, because I was trying to sell to him. But ultimately I just said, nah, that's okay. I'll figure it out later. You know, maybe he lost money, maybe he didn't. One of those things though, that I, that I, I just want to keep pushing is that extra prep work really worked in my favor. And most of the people that I dealt with who had clearly done this as well, it, it made things better. So if you are going to a show this size, it's going to have this many people um, do that extra legwork so you're not being reliant on apps and internet that just goes away when it wants to in the middle of your day. So that was something that I really took away from the show. Um, something else, I, you know, I talked about it a little bit with Justin, but I want to talk about it a little bit more here that I, uh, I think is important is... The prices we were seeing, the national was littered with folks asking way above comps. Um, it was not uncommon to see cards 20, 30% more than you would expect. Uh, there's a lot of talk that, you know, to set up at the, at the national, there's a lot of fees and there's uh, travel costs and, and everything involved. So, you know, it makes sense a little bit that people at the show are charging more, but you know, when you're, when you're trying to buy, it definitely makes a difference and it definitely caused me to do a lot of hunting. Specifically, one of the cards I was looking to buy was a Juan Soto Topps Chrome Base card, PSA 10. It's got like a pop of something like 11 or 12,000. Not a very uh, uncommon card by any stretch of the imagination, but I like the card. I like the card and it's mostly in my nobody budget. You know, for the most part, I buy cards in the you know, zero to uh, two, three, maybe $300 range. Rare that I go above that. I, I only own a few cards that are more expensive than that besides ones that I've acquired through trade and consolidation. You know, I don't, I just don't spend that much money on, on a single card too often. I can't afford it. Uh, so this one Soto Tops Chrome rookie base fit my budget because comps on that were about 200 bucks. Well, throughout the show, I saw it listed regularly at 300 you know that's a fairly significant bump from 200 to 300 now maybe maybe uh there's a lot of room for negotiation on those cards but when i saw it listed that high i kind of kept moving quite a bit now thankfully i came across one booth that had it listed at 175 that was already below comps a little bit more than before before Juan Soto won the home run derby you could get that card for about a buck 60 cuz i was watching it and then when he won the home run derby it went up on me which was a pain but it is what it is so i saw one for 175 and this gentleman wouldn't budge i tried to get him down to 150 i tried to offer a trade of some sort he, he knew that he had the card under comps he knew really what he had you know and i don't know what he was in for you know in for on this card you know how much money he had spent to acquire but he wasn't budging but ultimately i was happy with the price it was below comps it was definitely below every other juan soto tops chrome 
rookie that I had seen. So it was a, it was a, it was a good deal for me. I was happy to make that purchase. So, you know, you got to hunt, right? You know, that's kind of my point here is when you, you're going to a place that has, I don't know how many booths and how many dealers selling all manner of, of sports card from hockey to baseball to football to basketball with some wrestling and Pokemon and MetaZoo and all manner of modern and vintage and ultra modern, everything in between. Uh, there's a lot of inventory, a ton of it. So when you see those $300 price, you know, price tag on a card, there should be 200. For me, it was easy just to keep moving and just to keep hunting and keep searching. And ultimately it paid off for me. You know, I was able to find what is a fairly common card quite a few times and found it at a price I was happy with. So that was, that was an interesting thing to really see what some of these prices were. And uh, again, if you, if you don't know somewhat of what you're dealing with, trying to comp it out while you're there can be tough. I know a lot of people were actually leaving the convention center to check comps and then coming back in because it was really hard to check while you were there. So whatever strategy works for you, but the prices really were something to, um, (laughs) something to behold, I guess. Um, but all right, something I want to talk about more on a positive note though, and I really am thrilled about this aspect of the show for myself. I went there with one of my most pertinent goals to be to talk to people and meet people that I have started to build uh, social media relationships with over this last whatever, 34 episodes that I've been doing this podcast. I, I have talked about this many times. I really started this podcast with the hope that I would be diving deeper into this hobby, with the hope that it would start to help me meet people and extend my network and, and build relationships and, and build these bonds with, with people I've never met before. And that has gone extremely well. So I have now had a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people through Instagram, through Twitter, and I finally got to meet so many of them at this show. It was so great to do that, to walk up and shake the hand of somebody that you, you've had a, a conversation with for months now. Uh, first and foremost, I got to attend a couple panels. Um, this was a big priority of mine was to hit both of these panels on the main stage. The first one was uh, Sports Card Nation podcast. John, who hosts that, was hosting a panel with other content creators, including Sports Balt, who was a, cre- um, a creator that I actually was not familiar with until I met him that night, and the Cousins Collectibles which is Cousin Oz and Cousin Tony, two of the coolest dudes in this space who just share my mindset almost exactly with the type of stuff that I'm trying to do both with this show and with my um, my collection. So John, who hosted this, like I said, Sports Nation podcast, you should definitely, definitely go check out his stuff. He runs an incredible podcast. He's very down to earth and super authentic. Um, and again, I, I didn't know sports Balt is his name and his, his real name is actually escaping me right now, but, um, he was incredible. All of, all of these folks that were up on this panel were great. Basically what they were doing was just talking about the state of the hobby, um, talking about, you know, their philosophies, talking about the things they, they look forward to when they're buying cards, just really sharing their mentalities. And it was really cool to sit there. They had about a half an hour. They were, you know, sort of just you know, almost recording a podcast, just having a great conversation, you know, with them. After that, 
panel, though, I got to get up and I got to I got to meet the cousins. I got to meet um, Tony and Oz. I got to meet John. It was awesome. It was really cool shaking their hands and and you know talking to them about possible collaborations and and all those sorts of things. But you know even beyond like that kind of stuff, just getting to talk to folks about their collections and you know in person, you know because you, you have so many of these messages back and forth over all this time. But now putting a, a, a face to the messages, right? You know you've seen some of these folks through their own social media stuff, but now it's just it's just real right? It takes us out of this virtual world that we live in and just plant you firmly in the hobby, in this community. It's just so great. I, I loved that so much. So that was the first panel. But then um, I believe that opened the panels for the show that day. But then what closed the panel uh, panels for the day was a wrestling podcast or a wrestling panel hosted by Tony Vela. He had um, Collecting with Caleb on there, who is one of the best indie collectors out there. He had um, two of the folks from the Card Foundation podcast, uh, John and Danny Tranquiti. They did not have Papa Bear for some reason. I guess he couldn't show up, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And there were actually a couple other folks I didn't know, and that was great. I got to meet more folks. I got to shake more hands. I just got to mingle and have fun talking because when the panel was over i did the same thing i went up and i said hi i was able to take pictures and you know again just express you know i've been talking to you and and listening to your content you know what tony vell is doing with wrestling trading cards and the, and the work he does with zan morning on uh, worlds collide is a, a wonderful podcast about wrestling cards specifically uh, same thing with the car foundation pod folks it's just so awesome getting to now again put the faces to the conversations and to the podcast. It was cool. I really enjoyed both those panels. Those are two of the biggest reasons I wanted to go to the show was just to get to do that. Now, outside of those panels, I got to, uh, I got to see one of my favorite, uh, card shop owners, Alex from ideal sports cards here, local in Connecticut. It was great to see him briefly uh, a bunch of times. I got to see Ken Cairns of sports card lessons, Another really great podcast, really worth listening to. I believe he has already put out a couple episodes recapping his national experiences. I got to, again, see Rob Gerard, sports card therapist. I got to meet his co-host of Slab Talk, uh, Amil. Awesome getting to meet uh, him for the first time and getting to see Rob again. Again, just more fantastic conversations and taking photos and just doing that whole thing. Now, of course, just getting a chance to meet folks that you've talked to, uh, you know, over a certain amount of time is is only part of it. Because one of the other absolutely phenomenal parts of going to a show this size is getting to meet people that are out there making content that you've never even thought you you would even chat with. And for me, that was the Great Curator. The Great Curator has a YouTube channel, a vlog. He's got a, a huge personality. Um, he's also on Instagram. Listen, it can be a little polarizing sometimes. Some people love the stuff he's doing. Some people are not quite a fan of it. I have found him to be entertaining. Uh, personally, I've enjoyed the stuff that he's done. And more than anything, I really enjoy what he concentrates on. So if you're unfamiliar, The Great Curator is more of a niche collector in this space. He's, he's created a, you know, um, you know, a bunch of content around something different. We have so many podcasts covering the investing side. We have so many podcasts covering NBA and football. That stuff is everywhere. What the great curator does is he concentrates so much on Marvel cards. 
He concentrates on wrestling cards. He concentrates on Star Wars cards. He collects comic books. He does this more straight up nerd stuff that just speaks volumes to me. You know, I've talked about it a lot, how I've really become a wrestling collector almost by mistake, even though I, I love the other sports. It's just something I can afford, you know, but I have Marvel cards. One of the things I was targeting at this show was a, you know, at least one of the sealed boxes of the series one, two or three that I don't have of the, you know, the Marvel series one, two or three. And the great curator really concentrates in those lanes. So at one point I was, it was brought to my attention that there was a gold Becky Lynch among some other wrestling cards at a booth. And I went up and I, I talked about this on the last episode. So I'm going to only touch on it briefly, but I saw the gold Becky Lynch. I knew I wanted it. Turns out it was the great curator's booth. So right away we got to chatting. I, uh, I shared with him that I had a bunch of wrestling cards in my box. He found something that he wanted. We worked out a trade, uh, a trade and cash deal. And I was able to acquire that card from someone who I've been watching and learning from which is just wild and cool. You know, I just, man, I just love that so much. It's, it's just cool that it just makes everything feel real. It makes everything feel like it's not just, you know, social media baloney, but like these people are just real. We're all real. It's just, I get so caught up sometimes with how much, uh, how much we communicate via our cell phones that sometimes the uh, the reality of the situation seems to disappear, and the national really helped solidify that for me and ground my feet, I guess. Uh, another cool moment for me, uh, I guess I'll back up a little bit. You know, going back to the national and talking about how great the show is. One of the reasons so great is you get a chance to see some wild, wild uh, cards. You know, they have the nine point five Mickey Mantle SGC card that has already broken the all-time record in the auctions. I don't even, it's still like 20 days away from ending. It's already over $6 million. That card's going to likely hit $10 million. Uh, they had, you know, Honus Wagner cards you could see. They had so much memorabilia, jerseys, uh, old Babe Ruth bats. They had a triple logo of uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James. I don't care what your opinion on a triple logo is. That's a rad card. That is just, man, that's so cool to see that. I mean, you really just had so much history inside of this building capturing the sports world, whatever sport it might be. But, you know, again, I'm more of a niche guy. I really love wrestling cards, even though, again, I got to have to stress this. I love all sports cards, but wrestling has become something that I collect so intently that for me, the things that are special are a little bit different than what's special for other people. And what I mean by that is I got or I caught wind that prism god was at the national he had a booth set up and he had some of his prism gold wwe graded cards and i had to go take a look so after a lot of hunting back and forth i was able to find his booth and uh, unfortunately he was not there at the booth for me to get to meet and say hi to but uh there was another gentleman there who was kind enough to let me take out the Bret Hart Gold Prism Gem Mint 10 PSA card and just hold it in my hand and take a photo of it. That was one of the raddest cards I got to hold. Prism has a, uh, you know, polarizing effect on the hobby. Whatever. For me, 
Prism can be hit or miss, but that Brett Hart card is incredible. He's got the sharpshooter locked on in a rare moment that an action photo just screams and pops. But then you put it in a number to 10, just gorgeous gold. Yes, Zan Morning. I still love the gold refractors. Getting to see that card in person, getting to hold it in hand, and getting to take a photo of it was a pretty big highlight for me. And that stuff is there for everybody. You know, if there is something that you absolutely need to see, you can find you, you can find it at the National. Someone has something that's going to make your jaw drop. Someone has something that's going to make your eyes go wide and really make you question how much you can pull out of your bank account to try to get a sale done. Now, thankfully, that Brett, uh, Bret Hart gold was not for sale. You know, so I don't think I had even a remote shot at, um, at uh, you know, cleaning out my bank account to try to get that card. One day, maybe. Not anytime here in the future. But absolutely cool to see it. Uh, congratulations, Prism God, for having that. He also has a Shawn Michaels, I think, that might be graded to 10 in gold. He has a Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think he had the um, an Edge card. Really has a just stunning prism gold wwe collection oh one day but whatever that was that that was very very cool i do wish i got to meet prism god but it is what it is um but all right why don't we move on so the show like i said there there was a ton going on and something i absolutely have to cover that's a follow-up from my last episode and I think this will be kind of the last main topic on the national that I want to talk about okay this this um (laughs) I got to be careful how I tell this story but to recap briefly in my last episode I talked about how at a Mohegan Sun Casino trade show the ECCA put on Scott put on by Scott DeMay here in Connecticut one of one of the more incredible shows you can see here in Connecticut Uh, They had DCI at that show. I had recently acquired a 2020 Topps Chrome Rock Gold, and I wanted to do a pre-grade with that because for 10 bucks, DCI will grade your card, and they claim something like an 80% accuracy rating or something. I don't know, whatever it is. Supposedly, they're incredibly accurate. So for 10 bucks, I thought, you know, why not? Why the hell not? Let's get this... uh, you know, graded by them or pre-graded by them and see what they say. They said it was a nine. And the way that works is they put it inside of their little card saver with a little black sticker that says DCI and, and the grade on it. Okay, great. If this is accurate, that's a pretty big deal. You know, getting this card in a nine, uh, when I had traded for it with the understanding that it was not a nine, that it was, or that it was a lower grade card, you know, this would have been a nice turnaround for me. So I was I was pretty stoked with that. You know, I had done my own pre-inspection on the card. There was, it was definitely not a gem mint 10, but, um, you know, I'm still not a grader. I don't know. I've sent cards off that I, I was shocked came back as a 10. I've sent cards that I was shocked came back as a nine. So I don't know. Uh, so I checked out the card, had them or had them check it out, came back a nine. So what I wanted to do was sort of test that. I wanted to test that by going to the PSA booth or the PSA wall. PSA had a massive preference or a massive uh, footprint there at the show. So I, I went to their area. I decided to drop it off. I decided to pay a little extra money to get it back by the end of the show, which was 200 bucks. Well, 
when I dropped it off, I asked if I should break it out of the DCI card saver or not. They said at the show, it's fine. You know, when you ship it in, you normally should. So whatever. So I, I dropped it off. I found out or I got an email later that they were saying that because it was in that card saver, it was being considered a crossover. So I had to put a minimum grade that I would accept. And I figured I would go with a nine, I guess, although I was surprised that this was being considered a crossover. That's where that story had left off when I recorded my last episode. And now I have an update. So I received a call the next day. And I'm like I said, I have to be careful how I tell this story. But basically, I found out that that card was not going to meet the minimum grade that I had put on the email. And I had said, I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I only put that grade because I was told I had to. I didn't know this was a crossover. You know, what are my options? And I'm going to really shorten this up because, I, again, I let's just say that this person was very helpful and very incredible um, and was giving me some choices that I don't think I was supposed to get here on the phone. But to wrap this up, I said, if it's not a nine, I, I probably don't want it graded, but is there a way that I can find out what that grade was? And after some conversation, I was able to find out, even though I wasn't supposed to find out, things worked out, whatever. Uh, so the card was not a nine. The card was not an eight. The card was not a seven. <laughs> the card was below a seven. I guess I'll just say that. Uh, so yeah, I didn't want that graded. I would rather keep that raw and I would rather be honest about the condition. And you know, maybe other people are okay with that condition that it's in, but I definitely didn't want it in a slab for that. So lesson learned. DCI may or may not be accurate. Some people would argue that it could be a PSA thing. Maybe that card should not have been the grade that PSA thought it was. You'll hear these arguments back and forth all day. You know, I've seen this where people crack open a BGS slab and send it to PSA and then they get mad at PSA because it was graded less or I've seen them do the opposite and the grade gets boosted by BGS. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. It's all subjective, you know. But it was a little bit jarring to see a much more reputable company grade this card so much lower than this much less reputable company. This has definitely altered my idea of how I would use DCI in the future. I don't think I will ever pay for them to pre-grade anything for me again. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I sent the card off to SGC or BGS something would come back different. Maybe I'll experiment with that. Problem is I'm already 200 bucks in on the grading because I wanted it back by the end of the show, not thinking it would grade with PSA as low as it did. That being said, I do want to say that my experience with PSA was actually really positive though. I loved the communication once I got through some of the confusion. I loved the friendliness. It was actually really really positive. I really don't have much bad to say about my PSA experience other than it didn't work out for me. You know, some people are probably getting the grades that they want. Some people are probably not, you know, company that big, you're going to have a lot of positive and a lot of negative reviews. My first true experience with them, it was pretty positive. 
even though I lost. <laughs> you know, what can you do? So yeah, that that was um that was pretty much a, a pretty good summary, I think, of the things I wanted to cover of the national outside of that other episode. Again, if you really want some more in depth, some more stories about transactions I made, things that my buddy Justin had also, you know, thought and transactions he made, please go check out that last episode. There's a lot of really great information in there. But what I want to do now is I, is I actually want to start concentrating on what's next. What comes after the national? First and foremost, I can tell you that the most important thing is recovery. Not just of being tired, not of just getting back to the real world, but also of card inventory and budget slash cash. I made um, I made quite a you know quite a big trade. I talked about this in that last episode. It's also on my Instagram. You know, to keep it short, I basically traded something like seven cards for one card. Picked up a pretty nice Hulk Hogan Gem Mint Ten, but um, but that was a big you know a big trade for me. I, you know, I, I gave up a lot of a lot of quantity to make that card happen. And then I also sold some cards. I sold on top of that trade maybe six more cards to try to recoup cash I had spent the day before. You know, all in all, I, I I left that show with a lot fewer cards than I came with. So if I want to make more trades in the future, I'm going to need to recoup inventory. Now I collect what I love, which is both positive and negative. Uh, you know, actually something I, I I did want to talk about that I forgot is uh when you're a wrestling collector, when you're a niche collector, it makes it hard to find trade partners. Everybody wanted football, everybody wanted basketball, some people wanted baseball, not many wanted wrestling. When I found folks that did, that was great. But, um, you know, side note. So, yeah, I'm going to have to start recouping inventory. Basically, I'm going to want to start adding more cards over the next months and years and forever. You know, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Second thing that comes to mind is is settling up all the bills and recouping my budget. I don't think I'm in the market to buy many cards right now. I got to pay off that hotel bill. I got to pay off uh, all the different dinners and drinks and uh, lift rides and everything that comes with, you know, going on vacation, essentially, you know, I did a good job selling cards and recouping a lot of the cash that I had spent, but it still was a vacation. I still spent a good amount of money that I, I need to recoup. I had a little, uh, trek over to the, to the uh, roulette table and did not bet the right color and lost some money that way too. <laughs> so I, I definitely am going to have to start concentrating on pulling back, scaling back, being responsible and doing the things I need to do to recoup money that I can start to happily spend on cards because for now, that is basically zero. And funny enough, I've actually already received a couple offers to Instagram from some incredible people and with incredible cards that I, I really want to try to figure out how to get. But I, I'm probably going to have to take a pause here and wait at least a couple weeks until I can dive back into that unless I can find some trades or whatever. So that's that's really step number one is just basic recovery. But after that, I actually have something really cool coming up this weekend that I am really, really excited about. I am going to get to meet one of my all-time favorite athletes, performers, whatever. I'm going to meet Brett freaking hard, everybody. I am going to New Jersey, and I get to meet, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler that has ever lived, Brett the Hitman Hart. He's going to be doing a meet and greet in New Jersey. Uh, this kind of reminds me because I, I I want to talk about 
another person very much, Chris Brancato, someone I've been talking to through Twitter for a long time. Got to meet him at the National. I talked a little bit more about that in the last episode. So cool to get to meet him and, and share our love of wrestling cards and share information. It was awesome. Awesome getting to meet Chris. Well, even uh, back in June, I think it was, Chris is the one who told me about this Bret Hart meet and greet. I immediately got a ticket and I'm intending to see him on Sunday when I drive up. So really cool. And I'm you know, building a little bit of a relationship with someone through Twitter, through a mutual love of card collecting, through a mutual love of wrestling. I love that so much. But holy crap, I'm going to meet Bret Hart. Now, what does this have to do with cards? Well, you know I'm a, I'm a Bret Hart super collector or trying to be whatever it is. I'm a Bret Hart collector. I have decided for the first time in my entire life, child or adult, that I want an autograph. I have never been an autograph chaser. It was just never something that interested me. Uh, but... I get this opportunity to meet Brett. You could pay for an autograph or a photo or both. I opted for both. Now, I did that for kind of two reasons. One, it'd be awesome to have a photo with Brett, and it would be awesome to get an autograph of him. Two, I'm hoping to get to spend more time with him. You know, I've been at these things before. I was at one with Stan Lee, actually, where I bought his book, and that was the only other time I got an autograph, actually. So I kind of lied. Stan Lee signed a, a book for me. It was some... Romeo and Juliet graphic novel you'd written at the time. But man, we were rushed right through. We, we didn't get a chance to take pictures. We didn't get a chance to say hi. We were just rushed right through. I don't know if that's what this is going to be like, but I figured if I got both the autograph and the photo, I would get a chance to just spend a little more time with you know, somebody that I was absolutely in love with as a kid. And that passion and that respect has just stayed with me now as I'm pushing 40 years old. I never got to meet him before I never got to see him wrestle live I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to meet him again so I'm trying to milk this for everything it's worth now back to the autograph side of it though I wasn't sure what to have him sign it was definitely going to be a card and I kind of spent actually a good chunk of today trying to narrow that down I believe I have chosen to go with my WWE prism white sparkle because it is a much more rare card, although the exact numbers on the on the print run on that are unknown. I think people have estimated that there's 25 or less of those. Maybe. I don't know. They're, they're definitely short print. I know that. Um, and trying to figure out the right pen. So I was at Michael's. My wife, who's an artist, was helping me. You know, she gave me a lot of suggestions. And I think I've narrowed down both the pen and the card. And I am super pumped because that prism white sparkle I've got looks like it's in great condition. I've already talked a few times how I don't know anything. You know, I'm not a grader, but I believe that when I do this and he signs this card for me, if everything goes well and the pen doesn't explode and the card doesn't get ruined, that this is a card I would want to get graded maybe even by PSA because it's going to be a really, really unique special piece to my PC, to anybody's PC, anybody who's a Bret Hart fan, this is going to be something that's going to be special. So I am so very much looking forward to that. What a special day it's going to be next week. Might even be more excited than I was for the National, to be honest. If Bret was at the National, I might have met him there. But whatever. So I've got that coming up. That's a really big uh, aspect of my hobby short-term future that is going to be big for yours truly. But all right, what about beyond that? You know, that's 
hard to say. It's hard to say what comes next for me. I intend to just keep, you know, after the recovery period to keep purchasing the way I've been purchasing, buying cards the way I've been buying cards. I will say that I've started to really grab onto baseball a lot more and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to start adding some more baseball pieces to my collection. You probably saw I added a Clayton Kershaw and a Mookie Betts 2020 Finest Golds to my collection. Phenomenal cards. Still one of the best sets ever made. When you see a Gold Finest in hand, especially from 2020, it is something different. I think I'm going to keep going down that road. I think I'll probably start to pull away from the wrestling just a little bit uh, if I can afford it. One of the biggest reasons I click wrestling is because I can't afford it. We'll see about baseball. But it's cool to think about these things. It's cool to think about, you know, when you, when you step back from something big and you take a breath and you let it out, you know, now what? I don't know. I felt like it was worth sharing these sort of rambling thoughts with anybody who might be interested, you know. But um, But that's it. That's what I got. That was the national. That's what I'm looking forward to in the future. I'm going to meet Bret Hart. God damn it. That is so rad. But ladies and gentlemen, again, that's all I got. If, if you like what I'm doing, please, again, subscribe, leave a review. If you want to reach out and talk to me and start to build a relationship with me as well, don't hesitate. At Sports Card Nobody on Instagram. At Sports Card Nobody on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well. And one of my favorite things to do is to chat with folks who listen to the show, folks who don't, but just collect cards. It's amazing. Thank you again. Good night.